This is Mariah Famica from Plush, and you're listening to Ken Valdez Approach on Rock Rage Radio. Welcome, welcome to Ken Valdez's Approach. Oh yeah, welcome on in. It's your boy KV coming at you from my soul renegade sound studios here in Minneapolis. I'm welcoming you to the Ken Valdez Approach. So I get asked this question a lot. I get asked this question. Ken, who do you believe is the most underrated band in your opinion? And I, I, I have a few for sure. There's definitely a few that, that come to mind. But one that comes to mind a lot more often than I, than I think, man, is, is Silent Rage. Now, we're going to go back a little bit. We're going to go back to the height of the Sunset Strip music scene back in the 80s where where a lot of bands, they all kind of looked the same. They all kind of sounded the same. Record companies were were signing bands that looked the same and sounded the same. And then there was Silent Rage, who was just a little bit different. They had a lot of the familiarities, but there was just something different about them. And that difference is what caught the attention of one Gene Simmons of that band. What's that band called? Oh, uh, Kiss, right? These guys are that band, in my opinion, that everybody should have known about. But I'll tell you what, man, the lead singer of that band, guitar player, just a great guy all around, Jesse Damon, has had such a, a, a wonderful career in this business. And he for sure should also be a household name. So we're going to go ahead and chat with Jesse Damon. We're going to find out about those days in Silent Rage and what he's doing now in his band called Damon's Rage. Right here on The Approach. Enjoy this one. All right, y'all. I am here with Jesse Damon. Man, I've been listening to you forever. We were just chatting a little bit about that before we uh, we went ahead and, and, and hit record. But man, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Ken. It's great to be on The Approach. Hey, man. I'm honored to have you. I've been listening to this guy since I was, no joke, in about sixth grade, I think is what we were talking about. Um, man, yeah, Silent Rage was uh, definitely part of the uh, soundtrack of, of of my growing up and, uh, you know, just kind of learning the ropes as, as far as songwriting goes. You guys were very influential, though. You guys were, you know, again, just heavily melodic great players and it was a lot of fun to listen to man so yeah yeah and now you got a new project damon's rage and we're gonna be talking about that as well but dude let's just let's do some catching up man how are you doing what's going on with you what's new well uh you know good things come from a phone call and uh, i talked with a buddy of mine recently john kivel from uh, the east coast side he lives in new york and you know he's got his kibble records and it's been going for a while and he's got some great bands on that uh in that stable and so he's done some rock fests and he approached me a few weeks back or maybe three weeks back uh for me to come and be a part of it he'd like to have me come out and either you know bring silent rage or bring my solo band and i had the idea i wanted to launch a new solo band and i came out with a new album 
two years ago in February 2020, just when the lockdown was about starting. Right, right. So the only plus on that was people didn't really have anything to do except buy music and listen. So I got a lot of good press and a lot of good listeners out there and people that picked up the album. And that was called Damon's Rage. And from that inception, I thought this would be a good uh, name for a band to go out. And what I what I had in mind is to play, of course, my solo material as well as and some of the new album, but also combined and do maybe like a half and half, half Jesse, half Silent Rage materials. So when I talked with John, I said, that's my uh, my plan, put put together a band and, and do both. And he goes, that's perfect. So uh, I had a few guys in mind and uh, on some side projects I did last year, I met Jack Frost, who is from the East Coast and different bands. Just currently he's uh, Aldo Nova's uh, lead guitarist. Sure. And so he, uh, he uh, was putting together a band or sorry, putting together a project and an album called Brothers in Arms, which is actually the name of the band, Brothers in Arms. And so he asked me if I'd sing on it, and I said, yeah, it sounds fun. Uh, he sent me the song, and I uh, I came back. I went in the studio and cut it, and he loved it. So that got put on the album, and uh, he said to me, anytime you need me as a guitarist, I'm there. Uh, you know, you put you form something, or you, you know, need me to fill in, or whatever it is. So I, I called him first on this project. and Nice, uh, nice. And from, Yeah, and I was very happy because a strong player and i thought yeah i need a strong anchor in the band and uh, so a few of the other guys involved uh the bass player and the drummer uh it was helped and uh suggested through john he had a couple players out there and uh they're very good players uh matt mahoney on bass and lee nelson on drums Fantastic. and they've They've been in his stable of playing in a few bands that have been signed to Kival, to, to Kival Records. And um, so I talked with those guys and, you know, uh, so far that that's uh, the three of them out in the east side. And then uh, Eric Ranio, uh, keyboardist extraordinaire, who's been on a lot of albums and in a lot of bands. He's just a phenomenal player. I had him on my Temptation in the Garden of Eve album in 2000, was it 2013 release, and he did a great job on that. And so, and we've been friends for a long time, uh, supporting each other. He's come to my shows. He's come to Silent Raid shows. I've gone to his shows. So, and we've done some fests together too. Did Fire Fest back in in England in uh, 2011. Yeah. So uh, this band is going to launch and play uh, the New England Rock Fest on it's uh, October 7th and 8th of this year. Right on, man. And we're playing, uh, I think, I believe we're direct support for uh, Steel Heart. They're going to be there too. So, uh, and there's there's going to be a plethora of bands, you know, playing both days, and um, and from this, I want to book more dates and uh, have take this band out and start doing more. I want to uh, try and get into some festivals in Europe as well as uh, some festivals in the U.S. Uh, I attended Rock Island 
uh, rock fest. It's a melodic rock fest that uh, launched this year in January. And my wife, Lily, and I went to it and, uh, you know, met people there and uh, met the promoter and met, you know, everybody involved. And there was just such a great lineup and it, it went real well. It was a four day event. And now this next year in January of 2023, it's going to be a five day event. So five days wow. of music. It's big. It's turning out to be big and it's down in the Florida Keys. Oh, well, there you go. So man. It's, another, it's like a vacation plus a, you know, a festival to go to. That sounds <laughs> great, man. Yeah. I'm looking forward to catching that. I have been listening to a bit of the Damon's Rage record and, you know, there's definite familiarity in there, but there's also, there's also something really new and fresh that I, that I really like, you know, that you, uh, that you brought forth with that record. There's a bit more, um, aggression on, on some of the tunes, which is really, really cool. And of course, just fantastic musicianship as always, you know, so it's so interesting to hear, you know, you having like another guitar player that's, that's, as you said, an anchor when you are, quite capable my friend you are so good at your instrument and of course oh, a, a fantastic writer how did that all kind of come about well as a writer you know and looking at uh the three main writers in silent rage myself ej and mark we all had a certain style uh i have more of a melodic feel side although i love metal and I love, you know, even pop. You know, I just got, I grew up a, a singer that sang with my family, sang with my relations at, at functions and get getting togethers and gatherings. We do that after we ate, you know, and I just learned how to harmonize and all that stuff with my family. So I, that carried on through the, through my life. So when we, we started Silent Rage and, you know, at first for bands, you know, you have, you have to start out by learning covers you love and you know we were picking covers that had you know harmonies so that's kind of the band we formed into and might have been my driving force because i love to sing i wanted to hear that harmony you know and, yes. and i love bands like journey and bands like you know foreigner and uh but you know we also grew up with some 70s influences you know the harder rock guys like you know the purple and uh, UFO and right, right. Monster Cult, you know, some very cool bands, uh, besides the Zeppelins and the, and the mainstream biggest bands, uh, Van Halen's and stuff. Right. So we each brought a flavor in our writing. Mark, uh, was born in Rome, Georgia. He has a Southern background. Uh, he loves Southern rock, but he also loves, you know, mainstream, uh, uh, classic rock. And so he has that kind of a hybrid sound to him. Right. And EJ, you know, was big Kiss fan, big Alice Cooper fan, uh, loved metal. So he had that edge to him. So with all three of us, it kind of fit that, you know, we, we are a, a, a soft, hard, hard, soft, you know, name like a Quiet Riot or, a, you know, a Led Zeppelin silent rage so right. we've got both to offer from our songwriting as well as songs in in general um and our performance yeah so from that uh and you know getting to the point of having and finding a good uh producer to corral all that angst and uh you know uh 
creativity, he found a good sound for us, which wasn't really the typical Sunset Strip, uh, you know, sound, you know, right. kind of the, the Vince Neil sound or, the, you know, the, uh, the guys who came out of the Sunset Strip and went big. We, we have a little bit more, of, um, you know, just even almost European sound, but, uh, you know, just a, a, a singer sound. Yes. You know? Yes. So, so it developed into that. And through the course of working with Paul, I liked his style. He was an artist himself and is still, and uh, is a great singer. Uh, he's kind of got that uh, little bit of Sammy Hagar thrust in his singing, and as well as maybe uh, Dave Manichetti. And uh, I have a little bit of that too. So we, we got along real well. And Throughout my uh, solo career, Paul and I have remained buddies as well as uh, working partners. And he really, he helped shape um, and also at times co-wrote co some stuff. You know, I would usually come in with songs and they were pretty close to being done, but he would give a little bit of polish or he might give a, a couple twists and turns and, and help co-write, which uh, to me was uh, flattering you know, as a mentor to, to want to, you know, get in and be a partner, you know, right. it, it started off me learning from him and I still learn from him, but also now it's, you know, he's I, hopefully, and maybe surprised at what, what I come in with and he's going, this is great, you know, or, you know, so to work as a partnership now is, is a lot easier and a lot fun, a lot of fun. Um, and so that's helped, you know, Paul has been a big help to help uh, some of the the latest albums. Uh, I told him, you know, because I, I kind of veered off. And in 2016, I did uh, kind of an Americana uh, Southern Blues album. Uh, okay. It's called Southern Highway. And I love the blues. I love country. I love, you know, that Americana sound. And so, and what I did uh, 10 years back, 12 years back, I started a band to just go out and have some fun, which is Electric Caravan. Right. So we, we chose, you know, the, the best of, you know, uh, blues and, and rock, uh, blues rock players that I loved, you know, from Clapton to uh, Johnny Winter to, you know, all these great songs and kind of made them our own. And, uh, and from that, I started to write songs like I normally do. So that band started to have originals and we, we recorded. And so, um, it, from that came Southern highway, but, uh, talking back to about the melodic rock, which is, you know, my mainstay and what I'm known for, for my fan, but, you know, through fans and fan base, uh, they love the rock and roll that I deliver. Yes. So. Uh, in 2013, I told Paul, yeah, we, we got to do a rock album. I, you know, I want to get back to, uh, uh, kind of a, a, the silent rage vibe, you know, I, I missed right. that, you know, so we did that. And then, uh, and we even did, you know, we started back actually in 2007, I wrote, uh, rebel within, and that really got us back on track. But the next one, you know, I, I actually got a great, uh, kind of catalog of players to play on that i had uh pete nudick from uh, from england on drums and vocals uh eric uh, ranio on keyboards 
and Paul Sabu played bass and wow. sang and played a little bit of guitar on it. And then I was the lead singer and lead guitar on it. So that was a good band. And yeah, I sounds like I toured with that band. It just didn't happen. But uh, <laughs> now with Damon's Rage, I'm going to be playing some of the stuff off of that. And then, uh, you know, as we went in again with Damon's Rage album, Paul asked me, he said, let's just try to do this album, just the two of us and see if it can work. And so we did it as a twosome and did all of, all of their tracks and stuff. Wow. But I'm definitely looking forward to going and playing some of that too. Yeah, man. Well, that record is, is fantastic. And it definitely does have those, those tinges of silent rage. Like, you know, it's definitely, again, just like that familiarity is what I, yeah. what I had said. So you hear that throwback, but with a really nice breath of fresh air, which is, is fantastic, especially within the genre. You guys, you touched on it just a little bit ago. You guys didn't necessarily sound like the typical you know, sunset strip kind of sound. Right. And I think that that was one of those things that really, as far as I'm concerned, kind of put you on the map or, or, or had you stand out from the rest who, who were essentially clones, if you will. Right. And I mean, let's, let's go back just a little bit. I mean, you guys were obviously, uh, you know, picked up by Gene Simmons. Right. So when you guys did the shattered hearts record, on up to don't touch me there, you know, with the help of, of Gene, how was that transition for you guys? Was it different as far as the writing was concerned, as far as the studio, was it just a budget kind of thing or, or how did that all kind of play about? Well, uh, I think uh, let's go back to the first album, Shattered Hearts. Uh, we were signed to Chameleon Music Group right in our hometown of Hawthorne. We were raised uh, in, uh, you know, living in Hawthorne at the time. Uh, and so we find out a friend of ours from high school was working at this indie label, uh, Chameleon Music Group. And so we had gone in and did a demo with Paul. And we had, you know, we thought uh, we were on the right track for an album and uh we liked our sound so we brought in steve brownlee and he helped us get that deal and so with that, that first album you know recording with paul and getting some direction at, from a producer and a lot of times a lot of our recordings before that point were either produced by us or you know co-produced and you know um helped along by just the engineer we didn't have and didn't use a producer we were too young in our uh at our time of you know being in the studio but by the time we had met paul he uh he showed us what happens when you have a good producer um you know kind of in the driver's seat uh helping arrange and and uh uh and not mold but uh you know he mixes a certain way and he's he has his way of pulling creativity out of the, the singer as well as each member who's playing. And that's kind of the, uh, the process of, I feel that producers have to do, they have to have an, a relationship and they have to, uh, speak and, and communicate friendly enough uh, so that the artist feels comfortable to do their best. Right. So right. That's what happened from that? Um, you know, we had, uh, we had a pretty good success story uh, with uh, 
the chameleon music group and we did a, a video and if you remember on that album rebel with a cause was on that it was our first version and so we went to the roxy and we headlined that night and we shot a video of rebel with a cause with all you know all the live uh, trimmings but we also did a few um you know, takes with just the playback. So we were right in sync with it. And so it really, that was fun. And from that, um, Chameleon stepped up and got uh, some better distribution through Capitol Records. Okay. And at that time, um, we were trying, you know, our best to find a great manager. And we were, you know, we had gone and we found a connection and we got a hold of, uh, Kiss's merchandising manager, Howard Marks. Well, that was on our uh, kind of our exploration. EJ and I went into a, an album store, you know, with uh, vinyl and CDs, and we were looking at the back of covers of, you know, any kind of information on our favorite big bands, you know, finding Doc McGee or finding, you know, whoever it was that, you know, was on the back of some of the big favorite bands of ours. And uh, we found that. And so we got a hold of them and we actually talked to Howard Marks on the phone and he said, I'm going to be in LA at this date. Uh, why don't we set up a meeting to get together? And we told him we were playing live at a, a club. So he came and uh, after watching our set and coming backstage and talking with us, he says, you know, guys, I want to explain, you know, I'm a merchandising manager for Kiss. I deal with Paul and Gene all the time, but I'm not the one that, you know, is uh, a personal manager or something that I think you're looking for. But what I can do is I believe in you guys. I kind of I kind of see a little bit of a, you know, this drive and this this hunger I see that from people who want to make it and I want to pass on uh, you know, your album to Gene. And uh, at that time, he says, you know, I, I've, I've got the, uh, the, some information that he's going to be starting his own label with major distribution. And, uh, you know, he'd probably be interested. So we said, oh, well, thanks so much you know, for coming. And we didn't really think anything was going to come of it. Right. About right. Three months later, after that gig, we get the call from uh, Gene Simmons. Wow. And, you know, he he wants to talk to us and he's got the album on his lap. and. <laughs> he, uh, you know, he hears something there that, and he's he's loving it. Like I said, because he says this doesn't sound like a, you know, a West Coast Sunset Strip band. You guys got a certain, you know, different sound. It's very strong. It's uh, you know, it's a good sound. I like you know the performance. I like your your uh, vocals, and so so from that. Uh, that always gives you confidence. You get, oh, man. yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's, it's Gene Simmons for God's sakes. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I mean, one of the biggest bands of all time. And, and, you know, at the beginning you go through the, uh, should I pinch myself? Is this really happening to right. Uh, right. eventually having some meetings and really knowing, okay, this is going to, we're going to do a go of this and we're going to give it our best. And, uh, you know, and, and Gene was really helpful he would give opinions and, uh, and then he wanted us to be ourselves. So, uh, we'd figure it out. The first thing he wanted to talk about was let's get you in. Uh, I want to talk about doing a new album with you guys and I want to get you in the studio. Um, 
I want you to start writing right now again and, you know, kind of take off from where you were. You might want to give it a little more edge, you know. And uh, so I think we came out like barn burners, you know, for don't touch me there. Yeah, man. It was, it was a level uh a step above you know what shattered hearts was even though i love shattered hearts but um and then you can kind of hear it in the difference uh we we re-recorded because he says you know i really love rebel with a cause that's such a great anthem you know it got wasted uh with your first album let's redo it and uh we'll revamp it a little and make it better and uh let that be a single so we agreed and uh, and did that, and we ended up doing the Rebel with the Cause video. And- right. Dial MTV, man. I'll never forget that. Uh, again, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. What an amazing ride, especially at that point. And I mean, it's just, it's, it's interesting to me because at that point in time in the industry, obviously, you know, labels were king and, and I mean, there were massive budgets for records and, and so on and so forth. But to have this group of brothers, man, who are, you know, who are hungry, who get the call from Dr. Love himself. Right. Yes. Right. It's like, dude, that's, I mean, that's massive. What a huge boost. There was. Uh, you know discussions amongst the band and you know when Mark EJ and I at the time when we we found out about this uh, we we went through a couple drummers before uh, Don't Touch Me There came out and both guys are great I love Jerry Uh, he was on Shattered Hearts he did a great job Um, but I think we we were looking to get something a little stronger for the next album. Sure. Uh, Jerry was very steady and very, uh, um, you know, I don't want to belittle it all, but um, I think we needed to find somebody that covered the bombastic side and that, and that had the thunder. Yeah. And that would help us launch, you know, the next album. And so... Um, by the time we settled, we had uh, Brian James Fox. Um, and Brian, coincidentally, was uh, in White Tiger, which, okay. uh, you know, was a uh, relation to the Kiss, uh, you know, family umbrella there. And uh, I'm going to take a short break from my conversation with Jesse Damon to talk to you about LPD pedals, Lawrence Petrus Designs. Now, essentially, This is for you guitar players out there, but you know, I've been thinking about this. I have a feeling that there's people that might have a guitarist in their life or, you know, because we care so much about music here, you know, what sounds good. Well, these things sound good. Lawrence Petros pedals, man, his designs, they're incredible. He builds these things by hand using top quality components and they are absolute without a doubt tone machines. Guitarists, you know, that we chase after that tone. We try to obtain that sound that's in our heads. Lawrence is coming up with these pedals that will absolutely get you there. Man, they are smoking. Right now, I have two of his overdrives on my board. I have the Lucent, and I also have the 87. And it's so interesting because we're talking with Jesse Damon about the uh, Sunset Strip music scene. And I remember those hot-rotted, those modified Marshalls. The 87 absolutely nails those modded Marshall sounds, without a doubt. Absolutely. 
these things are amazing. The 87 goes from, you know, just slight breakup to over-the-top fire-breathing monster and then some. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. Aside from the overdrives and distortions, there's choruses, there's delays. Man, Lawrence is coming out with some real winners. So if you value your tone, you're looking to you maybe just try something a little new or you know you're trying to find something that's just going to get you there, go check out Lawrence Petrus Designs www.lpdpedals.com and tell them your buddy KV sent you. Another one of the suggestions is have you guys thought about some outside writing? Um he goes, I get submitted a lot of outside writing, you know, even for my career with KISS, you know, we've done outside writers and brought writers in and, and they're really good. And, you know, if you, you can't deny if it's a hit song and you love it, right. why not record it? So if it's going to help the album and be a stronger album. Um, so that was kind of a, a new introduction to uh, something integral. Uh, do you want to do that? Do we want to do that? Are we open to that? Because it's gone pretty good so far. Uh, but I think, you know, we also thought you have to be open to that. Sure. Because the opportunity is and the uh, suggestion, you know, from somebody who's a legend who's done it so much and already done it himself in his own band. Uh, so we were open and we just thought, okay. We just have to fall in love with whatever song it is. We have to right. find the right songs. And hopefully they're right in, you know, they're not so set apart that it's going to sound different. It's going to kind of have to sound a bit or we got to make it our own, you know. But so we had uh, the first thing he suggested, which made us think about this and really have to take a look, as he said, uh, do you guys know ELO, the band ELO? Yeah, Electro Light Orchestra, right. Right, right. Uh, do you know the song Can't Get It Out of My Head? And we said, yeah, that's like uh, like an elevator song. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> you can fall asleep to that song, but it's a good song. Jeff, you know, Jeff wrote that and we like that song, but what about it? He goes, that's a great band power ballad. I hear it from you guys. What I'd like you to do is go and just take that song and maybe try to make it into a power ballad within the sound you guys have. We said, hmm, that's a good idea. Okay, we could do that. So we did it. And it really it was a home run. It hit and, and we, we had a good because it was melodic, and, but we made it powerful. That song Further down the road, uh, you know, we went on some uh, public uh, appearances with Gene and, uh, and we ended up running into Jeff Lynn at a, uh, after an American Music Awards. Oh, and Jeff came up and Gene, he said, hi, Gene. And he goes, is this your band? And he goes, yeah, this is Silent Rage, the one that covered uh, Can't Get Her Out of My Head. And he says, oh, yeah, I heard that. Yeah, you sent me that. He goes, good job, guys. Yeah, that you made it your own. So, like, you know, we kind of got the stamp right there. I went, wow. That's awesome, um, man. Wow. So, a um, few other outside songs. Um, Got to meet Bruce Kulick, who was part of Kiss at the time. Right. And uh, and there was another established singer, I'm sorry, uh, writer, Adam Mitchell. And so Adam and Bruce got together and wrote a song all, all night long. Yeah. And uh, it was another ballad. And we thought, well, how many ballads? We've already got one that we wrote. And then we just did that one. And then you got another one. 
He goes, you guys will kill with this. You can make it radio hits, you know, or whatever. So we, we just went ahead and we recorded it. And that turned out so good that that had to go on this album too. Right, right. Um, the last one was uh, a song that was almost like an anthem. Um, I want to feel it is the name of it. Yeah, that's yeah. probably my favorite. My favorite song on that record. Yeah. And the the writers, uh, Joe, I believe it's uh, Jolyn Turner, um, Al Greenwood from the keyboardist from Foreigner, and uh, Bob Held, a New York songwriter wow. who's done a lot of work in the business up to that point we listened to that and he sold us on that you know we said well god that's that's a great vibe i like the beat i like right. you know the right. shuffle kind of thing you know uh and then it's bluesy too so we we're yeah. adding a little bit of that you know Jolyn turner coverdale you know that kind of rock blues yes yes so yes. i love that and yeah. uh so we were open to some outside writing on Don't Touch Me There. And from that, I think that that touched me to say, God, I'm going to start co-writing with other people. Right. You know, because why not? I like how things turn out, you know, and I, I like what we did, although we were, you know, we were just covering it in our own interpretation, but uh, we didn't write those songs, but it was, the, you know, those different collaborations that kind of formed me and formed silent rage too. Sure. Uh, like you said though, man, I mean, you made, you made those songs your own. You can go listen. I mean, I, I think the obvious one would be, can't get it out of my head. You can go and check out the ELO version and you can check out the silent rage version. And I mean, it is just, it's night and day, right? I mean, the sure. two versions are, are, are what they are. You guys have a distinct sound with what, what you did. They didn't have distinct sound with, with what they did. But very different. You guys absolutely made that song your own, you know. And <laughs> dare I say it, man? I think that might be my favorite version of that tune. Period. Oh, that's nice of you. Yeah. yeah. You know, I've looked it up, and there are a few other versions out there of some other rock bands. Yeah, I, I, I remember, remember Velvet Revolver. Is. Yeah, Velvet Revolver. Yeah, exactly. One. And exactly. Uh, yeah, and I keep going back to Silent Rage, man. It's like these guys, these guys kind of did it right, y'all. So, that's, yeah, that's amazing. Oh, I we hold the uh, the version of we did it before you did. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yes. Yes. I have always heard of you as Jesse Damon is the guy who he's a writer. This guy can write and write and write and write. That hasn't really stopped you know, it, like the records that you're putting out, it just seems like there's just great song after great song after great song. Is this all you or is it like you were saying that the collaborations, is it, is it both? Well, I guess you have to look at what is uh, the time in my life. Uh, is it ready? Am I ready to do another album? Is this a, a solo album that I'm going to do? Or is this an outside project that came to me and someone offered me, you know, to, to be involved in it? I, I love to write. So I'm usually a yes in that, you know, and I did two outside projects last year. I did two songs on Barnabas Sky, which was uh, an artist, Marcus Pfeiffer from Germany. Okay. He's a, a guitarist extraordinaire. And he put together, he's putting together these groups 
And he, the first one he did um, was with another band and another lead singer. And the lead singer did all the songs. And then he had his band write the composition. Well, now what he's doing with Barnabas Sky is he's asked six or seven singers to sing on an album and each of us got a couple songs. Oh, wow. Sure. And, you know, and, and that was Danny Vaughn, a uh, lot, a lot of great singers, Bob Rock, uh, Steve Grimmett, Zach Stevens, um, good lineups. So uh, everybody brings their own shtick and uh, you know, and it, and it becomes this, this album of, you know, um, kind of the best of, <laughs> of <laughs> sure. singers. So, but he, he's, he's a great songwriter. And so what he, what he does is he sends the uh, composition and then I interpretate what I think that music feels like and I title it and then I write the lyrics for it and I write the melody and it becomes that song. And that's what he had every writer do. So that's kind of unique in its way. Sure. Um, uh, it's not where we, we got together in Woodshed and, and wrote all the music together and then sat and wrote lyrics together, which I've done that same thing with a lot of other people too. But this was something that uh, I liked. I, I thought that was a challenge. And, uh, you know, it's almost like uh, writing a score. Uh, you know, you're watching a movie and you have to put music to the mood of what the movie's doing, you know, sure. yeah. it's a love scene or whether it's a, a action scene, you know, or a tragic scene, that kind of thing. So you, it's emotions that you're putting and coming up with creative emotions. That's actually a great analogy, by the way. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. So we did a, we did a, a video from that uh, album uh, called till the end of time. That was the single that I sang and, and wrote the lyrics for. And uh, it kind of has a, a, a pandemic twist uh, till the end of time. Uh, we need to continue to lean on each other. We need to acknowledge our heroes and the heroes are first responders and people who help people in life. And we need to uh, know that the tragedy that happens, we can, we can overcome by helping each other. And this keeps happening till the end of time. And so, and you can go and check that out. Um, look it up. Uh, Barnabas Sky till the end of time. Uh, we had quite a few hits off it. Uh, I haven't looked to see how many we had, but uh, like in the first week we had about 30 or 40,000, which is pretty good. Fantastic. Sure. And uh, so I have actually uh, been in touch with Marcus this year. We're doing a follow-up album and I finished a song uh, for the second album and it's entitled grant me a wish from heaven. Nice. And that's a special song. It's a, it's a great song. So uh, this, this is another, you know, band and another album you can go and check out. Um, the one that I did with Jack Frost, uh, I did that before Barnabas Guy. And Jack, uh, what he wanted to do is put together a band of players, but he considers Brothers in Arms the name of the band. And the name of the album is Sunset and Clark which means the whiskey. <laughs> That's where the whiskey is. <laughs> so it's back to the days of the whiskey, that kind of music, uh, tongue in cheek, you know, uh, let's raise some hell. Let's uh, invite the girls. 
that's you know all those days you know what what went on and uh you know that's got a great lineup um he has got uh, alex jansen uh who co-wrote the and co- the composition music uh with uh jack and he plays bass and carl wilcox on drums helped uh they had a couple extra uh dave amato from reo he played sure. solos and uh mick mahan played uh some bass on it also uh, pat benatar's bassist and then uh keith st john which has got his finger in a lot of stuff he did a couple songs on the album a- andrew freeman who is just a monster singer That's uh he's in last in line right now with uh you know benny apiece and right, uh, right. Bill Susan and those guys, uh, and um, uh, Vivian Campbell. And I had a song on it called Voices Are Calling. And when he sent me, it was a funny kind of story. He sent me on our first talk on the phone on a Zoom call. He goes, I'm going to send you some songs. I go, okay. He goes, let me know if you like them. And I go, okay, good. And he goes, yeah. And then, you know, we'll have one for you to sing. And I go, okay, great. Yeah, just let me hear and see what it's what it sounds like and I'll, I'll get back to you. So all of a sudden he sends me these songs and right away, I love the songs. So I started to, I, I automatically started writing lyrics, started actually had almost one all done. And then I started to listen to the next one. I said, man, I can do this one too. So I get a hold of him again and he goes, no, 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 not those songs. That's just to listen. If you like it, I, I've got another song in mind for you. (laughs) 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 Okay. Okay. So he sent me this and it was an edgy song. It was kind of metal and, you know, pretty cool song, uh, kind of dark, um, eerie. And so I, I titled it Voices Are Calling, and uh, it's it's kind of a scary song. It's it's cool, and I haven't gone in that direction a lot. So I was very open to do that. You know, you've been at this for a while. What's the difference that you see, you know, between back then to where you are right now? I mean, has the hunger changed? Obviously, the business has changed. So I guess aside from from that hunger, from that that creative standpoint, how have you approached the business side of it as well? Well, I've had to learn a lot about the business side. Uh, I was not, you know, I always had to be a part of the business uh, when Silent Raid started because we we were kind of a democratic uh, entity where we all had a say. There wasn't just one guy who put that band together and sure. it was his band and we all fell into place. So, uh, we talked about it, but, uh, I have to give a nod to EJ. He, he handled a lot of the business and a lot of the calls. He had a knack for that. You know, my, my shtick was the songwriting gig and, and the, and the, you know, producing of our vocals and, uh, performance end of it. So that was a big thing on my plate. And, um, you know, Mark, he knew about how to record us he figured it all out and became a really good sound engineer and actual producer um knew about you know the industry convention of uh eqing you know and all that so you have an a bottom end you have you know you're separating your highs and your mids so that you you're not 
you know, piling everything up into one kind of a sonic sound. Right, right. So he learned all that. Besides that, he he was a good guitarist and also a lead guitarist and did some solos. Um, he's a great lead singer, so he's a really strong backup singer too. And uh, EJ sang, and the ba- and the drummer sang. Um, but for Mark, he also played keyboards. So at times live, when we were doing Shattered Hearts, uh, you know, touring as well as Don't Touch Me There, um, he had one hand on the keyboards, the other hammer-ons for rhythm and singing at the wow. same time. So, you know, you didn't see a lot of that that I saw. So it, it was a strength that we found the, all our strengths. Right, right. It was the so, sum of all parts for sure. Yeah. And, uh, and one thing, you know, and then the other side of the business side was, you know, we were making money and doing a lot of gigs, but we weren't giving it up all the time we were putting it in a, in a bank account and on our own to get to be a better band and get more hirings we were able to buy our own uh sound system pa system and our own lighting and oh. i don't know if you knew about this about me but i'm a third generation set lighting technician out of ho- hollywood no uh, i did not know that wow local local 728 and I got into that after high school. My dad was uh, in the business in that uh, local and my grandfather uh, was in it. So I was third generation. And so I did that as a tandem career from 18 years old until a few years ago when I retired. But uh, I had to pick and choose. So sure. when, the, when uh, Silent Rage was going... I was not doing as much lighting, but I still had to keep my card and still had to, you know, do a certain amount of uh, days a year or weeks a year. But, uh, you know, Silent Rage was taking precedent. Um, And, you know, when I had other times, even when Silent Rage was off the road and we weren't doing an album, I had downtime. I could go and work, you know, I could do that. So it was a means to, uh, you know, to have money for food and bills. So. Right. Um, Allow you to chase the dream. Right. But back to, uh, you know, knowing our strengths then, um, I think what happened when we actually came to the end and the grunge scene came in and kind of put the damper on, you know, the polished uh, melodic rock that was out there, they wanted to go to a different different thing. And it's kind of like they went... It was just a different vibe, you know, yeah. that they're putting an edgier genre together and which was a lot different sounding than what we were doing. So I decided at that time, I think I'm going to try to do some solo stuff and uh, maybe do a solo album and, and just start songwriting and exploring and maybe co-songwriting. So I did that in the 90s a lot. By the time I got to the 2000s, I, I was ready and wanting, wanting to get a record deal. And uh, I, I thought, you know, the best way to do it is, uh, you know, look up some of my old contacts, see if they can help. And they did. But they also directed me to some labels that said, well, we're Silent Rage. We want to sign them. <laughs> <laughs> of course. So right. we revived Silent Rage, you know, and, uh, and it was a melting pot back then in the, you know, say late 90s and early 2000s. You know, Silent Rage was doing bills that were some of the headliners were a little 
harder than what we were. And then some of our uh, headlining positions, our openers sometimes were lighter than us. So it would, it was different. It wasn't. Yeah. And to me, when I was doing my solo stuff, uh, I opened up the show for a, a punk band that was big at the time. And, you know, here punk hadn't been big, but they were big in uh, the early 2000s. It was a next generation punk band, Pennywise, you know. And so, you know, so you kind of had to just swallow that pill and and just be happy you were out playing. And, you know, even some of the punk guys would come up and go, you know, you're a good player. Uh, I like your songs. That's not really what I listen to, but I like your band. You know, so you get that. And I well, hey, that's something, and that that might pave the way to coexist and be able to continue on. Because I didn't know, you know, melodic rock for what it was in the '80s kind of went to the wayside. I wasn't sure if it was going to survive, except for the big, big bands and hits. You know, Motley and Bon Jovi, of course, would live forever because they saluted themselves. I always wanted to say in an interview that I wished. Silent Rage would have come out two years earlier. I think if we would have come out in 85 with Shattered Hearts and then put Don't Touch Me There in 87, right? we would have had this the solidification of being on the map and touring more. And then in 89, put out Still Alive, our third album. That one was at the time being produced by Bob Ezrin. I remember, and, yes. And Kevin Beamish, and uh, both, you know, uh, honored guys in the industry of who they've worked with, you know, from Pink Floyd. and Kiss. Uh, yeah, Kiss. Um, Beamish had worked with REO and Y&T, and so, right, you know, these right. guys are great to work with, and that was, that was a learning experience for me. And that was our second album, uh, starting with Gene, on Simmons Records, and it was we went in the studio in 1990 to still try and make a go of it. We we're going to come out with a new album in either late '90 or early '91, uh, and you know we were talking with Interscope, and it, it just the window had passed. He says, "Look, I'm starting to sign, uh, you know, Run Jackson, Seattle, and Washington bands." You know, and right? So, right. I mean, it's it was so disappointing. Your influences. Who contributed to the Jesse Damon sound? I mean, I like to go and watch hard rock, hard rock and uh, metal bands, uh, but it was a it was kind of a a different time in the seventies when I was first going to concerts. So I, it was you know some of the ones I mentioned, UFO. Um, I got to see Eric Clapton in nineteen seventy three. Uh, his first time back before, you know, being out of rehab and he came out and the spotlight hit him and he went right into Layla. And oh, it wow. just, that was an impression. I just went, Oh, I love this song. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, my first, one of my first um, shows was Johnny winter with Rick Derringer as his guitarist. Wow. And they played Long Beach arena and they played the entire Johnny Winter live and album. And I love, you know, um, it's my own fault, that sure. song. And I play it now. So uh, that was an impression, you know, how great 
Johnny was as a blues singer, but the electrifying Marshall stacks he was using. Right. And it was a powerful rock band, but it was blues based. And I just love that. Uh, that formed me. But I loved guitarists like, you know, even uh, Bloister Cult, uh, On Your Feet or On Your Knees, uh, The Last Days of May, and uh, Buck Dharma. Uh, um, Talk about an underrated player, man. Ah, I just, I loved his power. He yielded, uh, wielded, I should say, live in concert. Uh, got to see On Your Feet or On Your Knees in 1975 when that came out. Um, just an impressionable uh, band. And then I loved Michael Shanker, too. He was definitely an influence of mine. So I loved, uh, you know, Scorpions and UFO a lot. Right. So I, I went to see them a lot. Um, I did love uh, uh, Deep Purple, too. I, I love their songs. Uh, Richie, another big influence of mine, you know, just learning his solos and uh, the treble sound. I just loved it. It was so, you know, bitey. Yes. And I love that Strat sound that he would do, you know. And, uh, and so some of those tricks and some of that. Uh, and of course, you know, my first song I learned from my first guitar teacher was the rain song from Zeppelin. Oh, so man, I beautiful. Loved Jimmy Page and I loved, you know, of course, the whole band for who they were. They were in a way, you know, you saw the strength of each person in that band, you know. Right, right. Um, such a powerhouse. But I definitely loved, you know, Robert Plant's voice going, this guy is a, such a high tenor, man, I can't believe how he screams and how, what he hits. Also, I love Santana. He was another influence on me. Yeah, man. I I really loved Carlos and his uh, freedom of expression with the way he played. It, it's how you want to do things on stage. Right. It's he's, just you know, let it flow through you and just you know, be real and you know. And he's and still so there. that God, when he, when he brought on Neil Sean as a second guitar, and I started yeah. to listen to Neil. And then Neil formed Journey, and I went to go see some of those early uh, formations without vocals. Or they had, uh, on Greg, keyboard, eventually yeah. they had... Uh, they had Greg uh, Raleigh on there. Greg right? Raleigh, right. Yeah. And so uh, I loved that. But then, uh, you know, in 77, when Steve Perry came in, I, I just said, this sound is just killer this you know that that's a formula sound for what's going to happen in this industry yeah everybody's going to become you know uh, wanting to do harmonies and stuff like that and i loved the blues so when foreigner came out i love lou graham's voice yeah I thought, yeah. what a great singer yes so yes. and and i liked high tenor singers i liked uh you know uh jimmy jameson um sure. that was another strong influence you know to to hear these kind of singers um i knew my range i was close but not qu quite as high as some of those singers right you got that kind of almost baritone to, to to tenor you know right. right in that right in that area yeah yeah i was lucky to get a part of my dad's uh influence he was kind of a a, a lower throatier talker and so i have that but <clears throat> and it comes into play. Uh, I also got a little influence from Paul, how he sang too, with his grit, sure. you know, so um, probably leaving out a lot. I mean, I, I like guitarists a lot that for that influenced me musically. Um, Jeff Beck, 
Where do you see the industry going in this, in, in, I guess, you know, present day and, and going forward, where do you see uh, the industry headed? You know, it's surprising that we're living in this time where we're seeing the forefathers of rock and roll still out there playing when you're, you're looking at, you know, Paul McCartney, right. Looking at, uh, you know, just guys that are hitting their mid to late seventies. And they're out there. Yeah. yeah. I just saw the stone, I saw the stone last year and, uh, at SoFi and, uh, that impresses me. And that, that, uh, gives me hope um, that if you love it, you should hang on to it and continue. For me, I just, I love to do it still. So that's why I'm doing it. You know, uh, there's moments where, you know, you're on the roller coaster ride and you're in the game and you're really, you're doing well. There's other times where it's sparse and few and far between, but, you know, things change and, and society changes and the world changes and things happen. So you go with it. But the one thing you can stay with you is, you know, your, your love for it and the talent level you have. So keep doing it. You know, that's my message. Awesome. Well, now that we're getting kind of close to the end here, I like to do this thing where we just kind of rapid fire questions, right? So don't even think about it. You just go, you just go. All right. Top three guitar players for you. Eric Clapton, Johnny Winter, Steve Vai. Love it. Top three Desert Island records. Uh, I'll say um, Zeppelin, Physical Graffiti, uh, Deep Purple, Made in Japan, Foreigner One. Nice, nice. This is going to be interesting here. And maybe they're one and the same, but I'm going to throw it out here anyway. Your three favorite Silent Rage tunes. Rebel with the Cause, Some Kind of Woman, Tonight You're Mine. Good job. Top three, Jesse Damon tunes. Love Gone Wild, Love Isn't Love, Tell Me Lily. Awesome. Awesome. And last but not least, if there was one song you wish you wrote, what would it be? A song that has a message that brings people together. I want to know what love is. Wow. There you go. That's a, that's a great tune. And it's a great choice. Very good, man. That's awesome. Where can people find you, my bro? At jessedamonmusic.com is my website. And, uh, you know, I do some postings there as well as there's a lot of, like, my discography of what I've been involved in and the different things I've played on and, uh, all the Silent Rage albums and Jesse Damon albums. It's kind of a all in one stop and shop place. And um, so you can find me there. You can find me, uh, you know, on Facebook, Jesse Damon. Um, we have a Facebook page for Silent Rage too. And so you can write me to either from either place. And uh, my uh, email, you can write me directly from Dear Sanity at AOL.com. Well, there you go, everybody. This is my friend, Jesse Damon. Thank you for hanging, my bro. I really appreciate it, man. And I just, I've loved your music for so long and I'm, I'm loving listening to it still. So thank you for hanging with us. 
Thank you so much, Ken. It's been a pleasure. And uh, thanks for all the great questions. And it's it's fun to talk. And I wish you the best and with your artistry, with this uh, podcast. And look forward to talking to you down the road again. Oh, yeah. I want to thank my special guest this week from Silent Rage. From Damon's Rage, singer, songwriter, guitar player, good dude, Jesse Damon. Man, go check out his stuff. Oh, God, he's he's, he's just he's ridiculously talented is what he is, man. So go check out Jesse's stuff. Go see him on his socials, all that good stuff. I do want to bring things down just a little bit before we say our goodbyes and we talk about all the things that we talk about at the end of the show. I want to acknowledge, appreciate, give a shout out and a send off to a guy named Dave Rarick. Now, Dave Rarick was my father's best friend, and uh, they had a band in high school, and they resurrected that band several years later. But man, I think about that, and I, I realize that that's probably where my musical upbringing kind of stemmed from, you know? And I, I am forever grateful for that because music is everything to me. I eat, sleep, and breathe it. I love the fact that I get to be a musician. I make my living off of it. And uh, yeah, I think that it really did start from that place. And then I realized too that without Dave Rarick, there would be no approach. There would be no radio show. You see, Dave was the guy who introduced me to radio back when I was, what, maybe 18, 19 years old. Wow, man. He introduced me to something that I never knew I loved. And, you know, although it took a long time for me to get back behind this microphone and chatting with all of you guys, I'll tell you what, man, that that love and that passion, it is still there. And I hope that you're enjoying this because, man, I'll tell you right now, it wouldn't have happened without Dave. So uh, with that said, Dave, thank you, my friend. Thank you. You're going to be missed. And uh, man, you are appreciated. Fly on, my friend. Fly on. Everybody out there, just hold those that you care about a little bit closer. And those that you care about, just let them know how much you love them and how much they mean to you. That's powerful stuff, man. That's powerful stuff. Let's go ahead and get a little bit more uplifting, shall we? One uplifting. I'm going to give you uplifting. Go to my website. That's uplifting. www.kenvaldez.com. You want to go even higher? You want to be uplifted even more? On my website, you can check out my music. Now that is uplifting. There you go. www.kenvaldez.com. Find out about my music. I got tour dates coming up. I can't wait to see everybody out on the road. You can find out more about the show. Also, also, you got links to my social media. I love hearing from everybody. So hit me up. I'll get back to you for sure. Also, our Patreon is starting to grow. It is starting to, to shake and, and just, just do things. It, it's doing things. You want to go to www.patreon.com slash 
Ken Valdez approach. Over there, you're going to find some old school content. I got some new stuff coming through. And I'll tell you what, I got a major announcement about our Patreon coming up next week. You want to get in on it. There are no tears. So if you dig this show and you want to show a little bit of love, that is where you want to go. And I am telling you right now, you're going to want to get on here for this announcement that I have coming up only for you patrons. So patreon.com slash Ken Valdez approach. That's about it, everybody. I hope y'all are going to have just a wonderful week. Be good to each other. Take care of one another. Bye-bye. I keep traveling this. I'm reaching out.